Father in heaven, thank you so much once again for this time that we can come and study your word. What a privilege it is to be able to open these words that we have straight from the throne room of God. But Lord, please help us to understand these words because it was your spirit that inspired it. May you please send him to us to be our teacher and our guide. And I pray that you'd please lead us into all truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of our study for this evening, as we are still going through encounters with Jesus, this time it is his encounter with a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. And we're going to start with our first text there in Matthew 20 and verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Jesus, he's leaving from Jericho and many people are following him. Many people are thronging him. He is famous and we know this already. People go wherever he goes. They just want to be in his presence. And there's a large crowd as he's leaving from Jericho. A large crowd is following him. And let's continue reading in verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Here there are two blind men sitting by the wayside, by the roadside, and they cry out to Jesus. And you know what's very interesting here? The Bible here in Matthew states that there are actually two blind men. However, when you look at the other Gospels, because this is the only place that it mentions it, and this is only found in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but in the other two, it only mentions one. Look at this, Luke 18.35. And it came to pass that he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. Now friends, why is it Why is it that it seems that the details seem to contradict? I mean, this is the reason why some people say, well, the Bible is not inspired because, you know, Matthew got it wrong or, or Luke got it wrong. They don't even agree with each other. Well, it could simply mean that just simply one stood out more than the other or that Matthew chose to focus on two while Mark and Luke chose to focus on only one of them. And we see this even in the story that Jesus encountered with the demoniacs by the Gadarenes. We've studied this in the past before. But if you look at Luke chapter 8 and verse 27, look at this. This is a different encounter, a different story, and it seems the details are different as well. And when he, Jesus, went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. So it, it seems like in this, there's only one man that is possessed with an evil spirit, isn't it? But then you go to a different passage of Scripture talking about the same story, Matthew eight twenty eight. And when he was come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. So here we see two men. In the other story, we only see one. Luke probably focused on the one that appeared more maybe furious or angry or that was in front and he ran off. But Matthew, he saw two of them. 
And that's why, friends, it's important to read all the different Gospels and all the different versions because sometimes you get details that are mentioned here in Matthew that might not be mentioned in Mark or Luke or even John. And so it's important to have what we call the harmony of the Gospels. It's not that the details contradict each other in such a way, but it's just maybe Matthew chose to focus on two and Mark and Luke only chose to focus on on one. And in this story about the blind man, we'll be jumping between these three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we actually have the name of one of the blind man. And you can probably guess who it is because it's part of our title. It's Blind Bartimaeus. And we actually see this in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. The Bible says this, And they came to Jericho, And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So his name is Bartimaeus. And the only reason why we know is because it's found here in the Gospel of Mark. In the other two two books, we don't even know his name. But anyways, Bartimaeus is blind and he's sitting by the roadside and he's begging for a living. There's nothing else that he can do. He's trying to support himself so that he can still eat and survive and have a roof over his head. But how does he hear about Jesus? Let's go over to Luke chapter 18 now and verse 36. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. So the crowd, they're passing along with Jesus and there's this great noise and great commotion. It's not something that happens every day. Jesus is famous. There's lots of people thronging him and there is just a lot of talk. And so Bartimaeus, he's asking, what's going on? What's happening? This is not an event that happens every day. You know, how, how, how is it that there's such a large crowd? Well, maybe he's thinking, okay, this is my opportunity to earn a bit more money, right? So he's begging, he's asking for money, right? He's asking what's going on. How does the crowd respond? Look at Luke chapter 18 and verse 37. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. Jesus of who or where? Nazareth is passing by. No one that special to them. It's just Jesus who's from Nazareth. Maybe the the people recognized him as a prophet at the very most. But Jesus of Nazareth, there was no one special that was to come from Nazareth. You know, when, when the disciples, before they ever became disciples, when they heard that Jesus was from Nazareth, you know, one of them said what? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? If not only was there no prophecy in the Bible regarding Nazareth, but that Nazareth was known to be the most wicked of all cities or one of the most wicked. That's why they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Are you sure the Savior is coming from Nazareth? And so the people, they recognize Jesus, just Jesus of Nazareth. They were following Jesus, but you know, the reason why there was such a large crowd was maybe that they were just curious. Oh, what's this large crowd coming by? Maybe they're just following along in the way. Maybe they're just joining because they knew Jesus, but they they, they knew that he was a miracle worker. They wanted to know or see another miracle. They were just curious. Maybe they just weren't in need or they knew that Jesus was famous 
and they wanted to be associated with someone that is famous. But from this response, Jesus of Nazareth, you can see that they haven't accepted him as the Messiah, maybe a prophet. So they just tell the blind man, oh, it's just Jesus of Nazareth. Now, let's go to a different text, and you'll notice something very interesting, because when the people tell Bartimaeus, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth that's passing by, how does Bartimaeus respond? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 47. And when he heard it, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Isn't that interesting? When Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth, he calls out what? He says what? Jesus, thou son of who? David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, he can't see Jesus. All he has done is heard of him, right? And he hears that Jesus of Nazareth, and by this time he must have been famous, But Bartimaeus, he recognizes him as not just any ordinary person, but in Jesus, he sees someone that is more than just a normal human being. He recognizes Jesus' ancestry. He calls him the son of David. Friends, this is strictly used as a title for the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says this, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And look, that word Jesus Christ, that word Christ is not his last name, like my name is Benjamin Ng and his name is Jesus Christ. That word Christ there means the Messiah, the anointed one. And so, the lineage of the Messiah would come through the, pardon me, Messiah would come through the lineage of King David. And so blind Bartimaeus, he recognizes, he sees something in Christ or Jesus that no one else sees. He calls him the Messiah. Yes, poor old blind Bartimaeus, he cannot see but yet he has foresight, spiritual foresight. And what a blessing it is. You know, some of us, we can see very much so, but we are spiritually blind. And you know, all these people, they've been hearing the word of Jesus. They've been following Jesus around wherever he's been going. Some of these, they've seen maybe more than just one miracle. They are there. They can see with their own eyes. And there isn't this large crowd around Jesus just for no good reason. And yet, even though he's done all these good works, even though he's so famous, even though he's attracted so much, and even though he's spoken such powerful words that has convicted people, yet so many of them still had not accepted him as the Messiah. But now Bartimaeus, he hears about Jesus through other people. Maybe people have been telling him what had been going on. He probably heard about the miraculous healings. And when he hears all of this, his faith is quickened and he shouts out, Jesus, not of Nazareth, but Jesus, thou son of David. And you know, friends, it's not just a spur of the moment. You know, I don't think Bartimaeus was just 
Oh, calling just anybody who passed by that way in hope that maybe, oh, this guy thinks I'm the Messiah. Let me give him some money. You know, I don't think that blind Bartimaeus was trying to attract attention. And so he calls out to Jesus, thou son of David, just so that everyone would stop and give him some money. But that's probably what people were thinking, you see. That's probably the reason why he's crying out. That's what they're thinking. Yeah, he's just trying to attract attention because he was on on the side of the road and his purpose was to beg. He wasn't trying to get healed. He was just trying to make a living. And so maybe people were thinking that, but no. Blind Bartimaeus was not trying to attract attention. He truly recognized in Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. You know, what is Bartimaeus asking for? When you go back and look at Matthew 10, 47, at the end there, he says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You know, he's asking for mercy. Maybe he wasn't blind before, but maybe it was something that he did that, that, that brought this blindness upon him and in his life. And he was living in, in all this regret and shame. And, and he cries out to Jesus. He cries out to Christ not just to heal him first. He is asking for forgiveness of sin. He's asking for mercy. And you know, many times we don't realize how important it is, friends, to have the healing of the heart rather than a physical healing. We need that spiritual healing inside of us. And you know, many people desire this. There are many people that have been struck down with disease, that disaster or trouble or problems have come in their life. And it's not because of of just the misfortune and the devil, but it's because of something they did. It's because of their own actions. Maybe they were selfish. Maybe they were angry. Maybe they did something and in the spur of the moment, all their emotions burst out and then they live to regret it the rest of their lives. We see this in this other healing that Jesus performed on this man who was lame. He was a cripple and he had to be carried by his four friends. We see this in Mark chapter 2 verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You see, the paralytic was forgiven first before he was ever healed from his physical malady. And there are many people out there that you'd be surprised. They are sick, but the reason why they're sick is because they're carrying a very heavy burden upon their hearts. Do you know that research shows that nine out of 10 diseases begin in the mind, that you're not actually sick, but you think you're sick. And the more you think it, the more likely you actually become sick. Friends, there needs to be an adjustment. And Bartimaeus, he was asking for mercy. He was asking for God's forgiving grace. He was asking for a healing first in his heart and in his mind, a spiritual healing, something more than just a physical healing, which maybe there are many of us here today that might need it because you might not be blind. You might not be a cripple, but you might be carrying a very heavy burden around with you that nobody knows, but Jesus does. But anyways, as Bartimaeus, he's crying out. He's crying out to Jesus, thou son of David. How does the crowd react to his shouting and his calling out to Christ 
let's go back to the story, Matthew 20 and verse 31. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. They rebuked them because there was more than one of them, remember, but they're rebuking Bartimaeus. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. Stop crying out. You know, I guess it was making a scene. I don't know. Maybe it was really noisy, but Bartimaeus was so desperate, his cry was heard above everybody else. Look. He must have had a trained vocal organs. He couldn't see until his other senses were heightened. And so he had to make sure that he would get the attention of Christ. He is crying above all the babble of the crowd. And you know, when, when something just jumps out in terms of sound, everybody then just gets silent. And they, they think that, that, that Bartimaeus is just causing trouble, that he's trying to attract attention, remember? He just wants more money, and they're just trying to shush him. Be quiet, be quiet, Bartimaeus. Just be quiet. Why are you disturbing us? Maybe they're embarrassed by his actions, and we just wanted to quieten him down. But he's persistent. Blind Bartimaeus will not be silenced. He cries out even more, calling on Jesus, calling out the Messiah. You know, he will not be silenced by the crowd. He is desperate. He's in need. He wants to see again. And you know, friends, there's something here that we can learn from Bartimaeus, even before he's healed. You know, friends, it's important to be persistent it's important to when, when we call out on Christ, not just to call out once. Oh, Jesus didn't hear me. All right, well, I'll just be silent. No, friends, it's important to be persistent in prayer, to ask and to continue to ask God for help. It's not that Jesus doesn't want to help us, but it's sometimes that we lack faith to cry out to God. Do you know that? Sometimes we're half-hearted because we're not sure about who our God is and we're not sure if He'll really help us or not. So we cry out once, God doesn't reply, and we just throw our hands up and we just give up. But friends, what's interesting is sometimes those in church, those that are professed followers of Christ, they are the ones that tell you to be quiet. Oh, what's the use? Just, just, just stop praying. You know, that's enough. You know, yeah, yeah, I heard you. Or maybe they'll say, I, I heard, I've prayed that prayer before. I've prayed that prayer before. It doesn't work, you know. What are you doing? Just be quiet. It's okay. Just do something else, you know. And maybe sometimes it's other people that hold you back. And this is why we need that persistence, friends. This is why we need that faith to push us through, belief in God, that He will answer our prayers and help us. But many times we lack faith in God's ability to hear an answer, isn't it? And so we just end up stopping. Or sometimes we just don't want it bad enough. But how does Jesus respond to the cries of Bartimaeus? Look at this. Mark chapter 10 and verse 49. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. Jesus hears his cry and calls for him to come over. And look at how he responds in Mark chapter 10 and verse 50. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. 
You know, friends, it's very interesting that Mark is the only one that records this act that Bartimaeus does. He casts away his garments and then only he gets up and goes to Jesus. You know, friends, what does that garment represent that we have to, in a sense, cast away? Well, let's go to another Bible text. In Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, the Bible tells us this, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You know, friends, what does that garment represent? It represents our own righteousness, our own deeds that is trying to make us to see again, to heal ourselves. You know, we have all these solutions to our problems and they are only temporary solutions. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned? What did they do? Their eyes were open. They realized that they were naked. And what did they do? They went and got some leaves, some fig leaves, and sewed them together and made themselves clothing. And that clothing, we definitely know for sure, those fig leaves were only temporary because leaves do not last long. They do not make good clothing. It was only a temporary fix. And that's the thing, friends. Many of us, we have this temporary solution to our problems. And if we want Jesus to help us, if we want His help, we have to put aside all the things that we think we can do to help ourselves. We got to recognize that there's nothing good that we can do to be saved. Christ is our all sufficiency. We got to put aside our pride. We got to put aside our, our, our own works of righteousness. We got to put aside all the successes that we've had in this world that have made us worldly successful, but yet we're still empty inside. And this has to happen before we will get up and go to Christ for His help. Do you know that? It has to happen in our hearts and minds to realize that only Jesus can help us. And let's continue reading. Mark chapter 10, verses 51 to 52. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. You see, Jesus would end up healing Bartimaeus of his blindness. And Jesus said it was his faith that made him whole. It was the faith of Bartimaeus. Faith in what sense? Faith to still cry out to Christ, even when everyone else around him was telling him to shush up and be quiet. Faith in Jesus that he could heal him when everyone told him that he was only a person from Nazareth, not someone really that well known, not someone that could really help. It was just Jesus of Nazareth. But Bartimaeus, he had the eye of faith that saw beyond what everyone else saw. And he saw the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see that, friends? We have to have the eye of faith. We have to learn to live by faith if we 
wish to be healed today as well. And you know, friends, where do we see this faith demonstrated in this story? Before we go and look at the story again, I want to give you this this question that Jesus asks us and this story that, that precedes it, that lines up totally with what the point of this story is today that we're trying to make. It's found in Luke, Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. The Bible says this, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. You see, this is the conclusion of the parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. And we went right to verse 8. But I want to read to you verses 1 to 7 because Jesus asked this question at the end there. When I come, will I find faith? Will I find people with faith? Will I find a person like Bartimaeus whose faith had made him whole? Well, let's go back to Luke now and read verses 1 to 7. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard men, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? And the conclusion of this parable, this story that Jesus gives, is at the end he asks, will he find faith when he comes? You see, this story is about this judge. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't even care about man. But this widow, this woman was coming to him every single day asking for the same thing. Avenge me of my enemy. Avenge me of my enemy. Every day, she wouldn't miss a day. She wouldn't skip a beat. She was at his door knocking every day. He wanted help. She wanted help rather. And she was just bothering this man and he could just not get any peace. And maybe he pretended not to be home, but she would cry out, judge, judge, help me, avenge me of my adversary. And finally, he just got tired of it. He said, I'm just going to do it. Not because I, I like you, not because I really care about your request. It's just that you can stop troubling me. And now look. Jesus is that judge, but he's not this unjust judge who who gets tired of hearing our cries and our prayers. No, Jesus is so much better than this judge. He cares and loves us so much more. He cares about the cries that we cry out to him. And so what is the point of this story? It's not about the judge, but it's about the woman. You see, in the Bible, a woman represents a church. Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, you see. A woman represents a church, and so the church is coming. And what is the the lesson that we're learning from this parable that Jesus gives? It's persistence in prayer, continual asking until we get an answer. 
You know, this woman, she was shameless. She would just keep asking every single day. And friends, we got to get to that point where we learn to be persistent in prayer each and every day. Oh, friends, we got to learn to continue to ask God until He gives us an answer. You know, friends, why is it so important for us to keep asking? Why does God look for that in each and every one of us? What's the importance of persistent prayer? Why? Because it shows how bad we really want it. It shows how much we desire it. It shows our faith and how much we believe that God wants us to have this prayer answered. You see, it shows more about inside our hearts than it does anything with God. Look, do you think that God hears us when we pray just one time? Of course He does. Has He answered when we've prayed one time before? Yes. Yes. Joshua cried out to the sun. Sun stands still. The sun stood still. There are people that have prayed and, and it just happened. They didn't have to pray many times, more than once. But then there are other situations in the Bible that you read of that people prayed multiple times. Take, for example, Elijah. You know, Elijah prayed once and it stopped raining. But in order for the rain to come again, how many times did Elijah have to pray? Do you know? He had to pray seven times. Seven times. I mean, why did Elijah have to pray seven times? You would have thought. And the funny thing is that God came to Elijah and told Elijah, Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. I'm going to send rain on the earth. He told him it's going to rain. But why is it that even on God's promise, even though God said it would happen, why did it take seven times of prayer? Elijah praying and pleading and asking God to send the rain. Why did he have to pray seven times? It's not because God was happy to see Elijah kneeling there and groveling on the ground and to keep asking. But God was testing his faith. Maybe, maybe he was testing it to see whether Elijah really believed his word or not. Whether he believed that he was really going to send rain because it had not rained for three and a half years. But he was testing the faith of Elijah. Yes. Even in situations where you might come out victorious and you, it seems like this man definitely has great faith. You know, Elijah just called down fire from heaven. One prayer, fire came down. And now he's got to pray seven times just to get rain. Friends, how many times do you pray? How many times and persistence are you in prayer? Today, how often do you pray for the prayer requests that you have asked? Or do you forget it? Or do you give up too easy on God? Do you give, do you give up when, when things don't go the way that you asked for or how you prayed for it? How about you? What's your prayer life like? Do you just pray once and you expect God? God, you better answer. If not, oh well, you didn't want me to have it. If Elijah had thought that, rain would have never come. He would have given up on God's promises. We get to this point, sometimes we just think, oh God, he gave me an answer, he just said no. But Barnabas, he really wanted to be healed. Do you know that? He really wanted to be healed. 
And so he kept asking, even though people told him to be quiet. He shouted out even loud, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out. He was persistent. He desired to be healed so badly. And so that's why he was persistent in asking and asking and wanting it. He could have asked for a million dollars to retire for the rest of his life and then he'd be happy. But no, he wanted his eyesight so he could go and work and make an honest living instead of begging. He wanted to be healed. And you too often, friends, our prayers aren't that urgent. They're not that passionate. And we ask God for help. And when He doesn't, we just make, make our own plans. And even sometimes this indirect contradiction to God's will. But friends, how important is the salvation of your family? How much do you pray for them? How about the sickness of a loved one? Are you interceding for them? And are you, are you persistent in prayer? How desperate are we? Do we cry out to God and ask God, help me, help me, help me? Or we just pray once and we think our duty done and we just pat our hands off the dust and we just move on. Many of us, we give up too easily. We're not persistent. We're not continual in prayer. And you know, friends, we, we've been having this united prayer now for a few months already. And, you know, the past two Sundays I was off and I took a break, but, you know, I heard the numbers are dwindling and sometimes it's very difficult it's difficult. We, we find it hard to be persistent in prayer because oh, I'm just praying for the same thing. Same thing. And we just find it so difficult to surrender fully to God and just keep asking and keep asking. All we tell ourselves, God knows. Why pray, right? As if we need to grovel. No, it isn't, friends. God has a reason for this. He is testing our faith. And this evening, He wants to see how desperate you are to want to have a changed heart. How desperate are you to see Jesus face to face? How urgent is it for you to hasten His coming? You know, these are things that we certainly know that God wants us to have a changed heart, to be filled with His Spirit. And yes, friends, we got to not stop praying. we got to keep asking for this. And many of us, we don't receive because we don't ask. And yet others were like what James says here in James chapter 4 and verse 3. The Lord said, hear what, oh, pardon me, I, I, I didn't change the text there. But in James chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says, and ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Some of us, we're just asking for the wrong things. And so God doesn't give it at all. We're not pausing long enough for God to speak to us. You know, if we were persistent in prayer, and even though we ask for the wrong thing, eventually God would give us an answer very clearly. But some of us, we're just asking wrong and then we just give up. We don't see it. We don't adjust our prayers. We don't see how God really wants to to give us better things. And maybe that's the reason why so many of us have so few praises because we don't see how God is guiding our life. We don't see how He's moving in our life. We don't see the answers to our prayers. But friends, 
this evening, I want to encourage you that if you want to see miracles, you got to keep asking. Not just once, not just twice, maybe not just even seven times. Maybe you got to ask 10 times. Maybe you got to ask 100 times. Friends, we got to learn to be persistent. When Jesus comes back for a second time, he asks the question, will I find faith on the earth? Will I find a group of people that are still praying? that are still pleading, that are still interceding. You know, I understand that this third lockdown, it's not like the others, but I'm telling you, some of us, we are more free. And maybe God is telling us again today, I'm giving you more time so that you can pray. Not just for your food, not just a short one-minute prayer, but truly to plead for things that are important and to pray according to His will, for the hastening of the second coming, for a changed heart, to be a blessing to the world as Abraham and all the patriarchs and prophets and apostles were. Friends, if we would pray like that, our hearts would be changed because God would answer in a very mighty way. And so this evening, I want to pray that God would open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to help us to see what we should pray for, that truly we can learn to be persistent because we know that God wants us to have it. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, as we've learned from the story of Bartimaeus this evening, how you want us to be persistent in prayer. Lord, please help us. Help us to be persistent. Help us not to let go. Help us, Lord, to keep asking. Help us, Lord, to really push forward, to put you first and last and best in our time. Help us not to be shameful in asking. But Lord, I pray that you would please help us to learn this important lesson. Guide us, O Lord. Too many of us are giving up so easily. I pray that you'd help us to not stop, but keep praying until we see the answers to all our prayers. And so, Father, we surrender our lives again to you this day. Please bless us and grant us a good night's rest. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.